0: Just don't leave if you're here for the first time, just give it a minute, it'll all make sense. We're in a series called Weird, and we saved the most weird video for the end. But we're talking about weird, not in a good way, not in a bad way, but talking about being weird in a God way. For five weeks, we've talked about how Christ calls us to live a different kind of life, How when we live the kind of life that God calls people to live, it's a little weird. It's a little different. And we've been looking at one section of teaching from Jesus after he had finished speaking in this this message that scholars have called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's recorded in the book of Matthew. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. You can take that home with you or just use it during the service. The scriptures are also on the screen for you to read along. The corresponding page numbers are up there as well. And you can read along in that or you can just read on the screen as I read from God's word today. Jesus uh, spent some time trying to let his followers know. And all these people were starting to listen to what Jesus had to say. and, And he began to tell them, look. This is the way normal people act. This is the way people think religion should look, but I'm telling you, it needs to look a different way. And Jesus gets near the end of this long message where he's telling people, you've heard this, but I'm telling you, it's really like this. And he says to them, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So let that sink in for a minute. Jesus is painting this picture of a choice that people make where they enter into this wide, easy, what everybody else is doing, and and it's really easy to go that, that way that Jesus is talking about. And he's saying, there's going to be a lot of people find their way to the wide gate, that's going to be how most people go. That's the normal way for people. But Jesus says that road leads to destruction. And then he describes this other gate we can enter through. And it's, it's smaller. It's narrow. And, and it's different. It's weird. And Jesus says this gate, this gate doesn't lead to destruction. This gate leads to life. And for five weeks, we've been talking about different areas of our lives and how we can walk through that narrow gate and have life. Have life with our finances. Have life with our priorities, with our schedules, with the way we think other people perceive us. Have the kind of life that Jesus promised us that we could have. But there's such a... A pull to this wide side and and as I've gone through these messages and prayed through and read through what we're going to talk about I found that there are parts of my life where I am firmly on the wide path well pastor's not supposed to be that we're supposed to be on the narrow straight way and never veer but I found areas of my life where I'm like I'm like everybody else I'm just being normal and so this series has also called upon me, if you don't think I'm weird already, is to be even more weird and to go through the narrow gate. That's what Jesus calls on all of us to do. See, on this side, when you, when you have Christ, he's just an add-on to everything you're already doing. But when you walk through the narrow gate, Jesus is this person who encompasses and engulfs all of your life every decision everything that you do so every week we've said this if you want to have what normal people have what do you do what normal people do but if you want to have what few people have we need to do what few people do and this last installment of this series is perhaps The one that if you don't get it, all the other ones are going to be difficult. So we save this one to last because I figure well out of six weeks, if you remember one, I'm happy. So we get to the end. Let's do the most important one at the end. Because if we don't get this one, all the other ones are going to be hard. All the other ones, we might think we're on the narrow path, but we're really just like everybody else. And this one's not just about Conduct on doing or not doing certain things. It's about our view of and our interaction with God. I didn't buy into the whole God thing, though. I was in my early 20s. I just didn't have room for it in my life. But it wasn't for lack of my mother and my grandmother and my grandfather giving it a really good try. But I still pushed it away, didn't buy into it. And as, as good as their intentions were, they, they just had a normal view of God. See, on this wide path, normal says that religion will make me right with God. That if I just choose the right religion, if I just put the right activities in my life, and obey the right rules, and follow the right rituals, and find the right church, well, then that's going to make me right with God. On this normal path, there's this desire to earn and to work and to because we want to earn what we get, right? We don't want anything for free. If we went to lunch today and I was in line with you and I said, let me get yours, the first thing you would probably say, no, 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 I want to pay for my own. I'm paying my own way. Most of the time, that's what we say, unless you don't have any money and then you're like, thank you, I'll take it. No problem. But we want to earn our way. We want to pay our way. It's just kind of human nature. It's the American way. We're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and hey, don't give me anything. I'm going to earn it. And that's normal. So what happens, people get in a relationship with God and they start that same stuff like, God, I'm going to earn this. I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to show you how many of the do's I can do and the don'ts I can't, I won't do. And then you're going to be really proud of me, God. My grandmother unknowingly, unintentionally warped my view of God. Now, for her, it was just trying to get a young, mischievous boy to behave. But she had to bring God into the whole thing. And she would say, Donnie, or more like, boy, stop doing that. And and she had this little system that God used. And God gave red marks for good activities and black marks for bad activities. And so she would tell me, boy, you just got a black mark. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, God gave me a black mark. What am I supposed to do? And then when I, would, I would go try to do some good things. And then she would tell me that God gave me a red mark. And I was like, okay, that's good. And then I kept trying and I kept getting more blacks than reds, more blacks than reds. And I had no use for rules in my life. I needed, I needed something more than rules. So I just rejected the whole thing. And if you grew up in church or you grew up being repulsed by church, chances are you've been exposed to this wide, normal view of God. Where religion and ritual is the Savior. Where that's where you find hope and comfort. People have always struggled with this. For thousands of years, people have struggled putting their interpretations of God above a relationship with God. See, all, all religions, no matter what they are, just study them, they're all an attempt for mankind to reach out and please God in some way or appease God in some way. So, Grandma was pretty good with the whole religion thing. It was black mark, red mark. Tell how you please God. You, get, you do more good things than you do bad things and God pats you on the back and says... Thank you. You've done a great job. And religions say to the degree we obey is the degree God is pleased. And the degree we disobey is the degree he is displeased. When Jesus came to earth, it's like as soon as he started teaching, he goes straight to the religious people and is like, I'm going to set you straight. You've been doing this all wrong, and I'm here to set it right. Jesus immediately shows up on the scene and starts dealing with people that had burdened followers of God down with rules and rituals and some of the harshest things that Jesus had to say. He had to say to religious people, to church people. Some of the meanest sounding words, the words that cut emotionally, Jesus said it to people who were worshipers of God. And he talks to this group of people called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were, they were just the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Jewish religious leaders. And they were sticklers for rules. Anybody have somebody in your family that's a stickler for rules? Like a stickler. If there's a rule, they're going to obey it no matter what. Stop pointing to people with you. I'm just, it's a rhetorical question. That's how these Pharisees were. They were like a stickler for rules. In fact, when they would find a rule and they would say, There's the rule, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So let's make a rule that's all the way over here, and that way we'll make sure we don't disobey that one. So we'll make rules to make sure we don't break the rules. And that's what they did. That's what they did to people. They said, Look, if you, Jesus said, God said don't work on the Sabbath, so you know what, don't even, don't eat, if something breaks, don't fix it. If you're hungry, you can't make anything to eat. If you didn't prepare, just too bad, because you're not supposed to work, and anything that might be possibly perceived as work, don't do it. It was called building a hedge around the law, just to ensure they didn't break it. And that really ticked Jesus off, because it burdened people down with rules they were never meant to, or burdens they were never meant to carry. Listen what he says to them in the book of Matthew, chapter 23. This is what Jesus thought of the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. What are you really thinking, Jesus? What do you really think of these people? I mean, he's pretty serious about when people get... Religion between him and his followers. And he's trying to say that doesn't work. All it does is burden people down. And even today, religions have rules that say you got to do this a certain way or that a certain way or with this frequency. And if you don't do it with this frequency, God's not pleased. And now you've got your black mark. So you got to do three things to make up for the one bad. And as humans, it's really hard to to not fall into that trap. I mean, we have things here that we do every single week, and we struggle to make sure it doesn't just become mechanical. Like when we, we share in communion every week. And we all know that represents the body and blood of Christ, but, but sometimes it just feels like, well, we got to add that in here after the second song. Or, and, and we try to constantly think, well, let's have people walk forward. Let's put it in the corners. Let's give it, give it to them to take home. Let's, let's do something. Let's make it so it's not some check mark that people just show up to make on a Sunday morning. It's a struggle. And God understands that struggle. But yet he's very frustrated with us. You can see from the teachings of Jesus when we start to elevate those rituals to a place Where they are between us and a relationship with Him. Jesus compared these Pharisees, and ultimately all people who just follow religion, to a cup. Held up a cup and He said, You people, the Pharisees, you're like a cup. You you clean the outside. You get it all pretty and nice and you make it look good and you say, look at my cup. But on the inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence and sin. See, religion, the wide road gets it backwards. The normal way, it gets it backwards. All cleaned up on the outside and then come and say, hey, here I am, God. And if you've ever been told that by anybody that represents God... They don't represent God. If you had to get all cleaned up before you came to Jesus, then what would you need him for? He he would be of no value. So if you're messed up, you're at a perfect place to come to God. If you're full of sin, that's the perfect time to come to God. That's not the time to start trying to fix yourself up. That's the time to say, God, I've tried. I can't. How about you take over and do this for me? See, on the wide path, on the wide, through the wide gate, religion focuses on the external. Listen to what God says about the external in the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 13. These people come near, me, come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. In other words, they say the right things, but where are their hearts? Long way from God. If you watched from the outside, God would say, you know, they're saying the right words. They're giving me the right words that I want to hear. But deep down inside, the cup is really dirty. That's what it looks like on the wide path. You can say the right things and do the right things and still be very far from God. See, normal is about just fixing things up on the outside. Normal is just about the facade. And that's not God's desire for us to ha- in the way we're supposed to have a relationship with him. Now, rules are good. So, if you're thinking, hey, the pastor said that we don't have to obey the rules. You hear me, teenagers? I didn't say that. Rules are really good, they, they teach us boundaries. Boundaries are good. Rules keep us safe. Being safe is good. Rules help us do the right thing, but rules don't help us want to do the right thing. In Colossians 2, verse 20. The Apostle Paul is teaching this church who they were dealing with, struggling with the difference in religion and a relationship. They lived in a very religious culture and Paul says to them, why do you keep following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. In fact, rules, when I'm living a normal life, they make me want to push the envelope. What's the speed limit on 540? Is it 65 or 70? Is it what I really don't know. Let, 65, okay. So when I see the speed limit sign, which obviously I haven't, <laughs> 65, my car is registered for, like 140, it'll do 100, I think, <laughs> maybe. So, so when I see when I see the 65, it makes and I see the 140, I'm like, it just it makes me want to push it. It just makes me want to go out to the edge. It makes me want to, hey, honey, they're in the fast lane. Stop talking about me getting a ticket. That car will get caught before I do. So let's get behind them and enjoy a little speed. Rules tend to. Make us want to cross them. Most people. It does. Rules have no value if they're going to restrain your desire to do what's right. So God is saying the desire to do what's right won't come from because somebody makes a rule. Don't do this. That doesn't make people don't do this. It probably makes people want to do that even more. My grandfather a wonderful man he was a he was a pastor for 52 years at one church but he as I was a teenager I can remember my grandfather telling me things I shouldn't do and as he was telling me these things I shouldn't do I hadn't thought of many of them and he's telling me about these things and I'm like well that that sounds like fun pap there's something wrong with that And so just the fact that I knew what I wasn't supposed to do made me want to do what I wasn't supposed to do. And the fact I knew the rules made me even more excited about getting to break them. So rules and ritual lacks almost no value in changing a person's heart. See, you can't win with religion. You can't. Because one of two things is going to happen. One, you're going to be full of pride, and you're going to think, well, I'm on this road of religion, and I do this ritual and that ritual. I obey this rule. I never break the speed limit. I, I, never, I never cheat. I never steal. I don't do any of these things, so I'm, do, I'm doing really good. And look at that person. They drive fast. They lie. They, Oh, look what they do with their business. And So religion, you can't win because you'll either be prideful and think you're better than everybody else, or you'll be in despair. You'll think you're worthless because you can't do all the things that whoever you're comparing yourself to can do. So you can't win with religion. You're gonna be filled with pride, which is wrong, or despair, which is wrong. So there has to be another way. There has to be an answer for how we should interact with God. See, religion says that what I do makes me right with God. Weird says that faith in Jesus is what made me right with God. In other words, a relationship. When you go through the narrow gate, it's a relationship that makes you right with God. When I went to church as a teenager, I can remember just hearing about rule, 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 rule. And I was going, no, no, no. That sounds ridiculous. I'm not doing that. And these people don't look happy anyway, so why would I want to be like them? And I just said, forget it. Because this, is, this works in all of life. If rules without a relationship, you know what that creates? Rebellion. Try to, try to lay down. may have teenagers at their house? Now, laying down rules is hard enough when there's teenagers at your house. But try laying down some rules and not developing a deep relationship with them. It's going to be even harder. Why would they? You don't have a relationship. Rules, no relationship, that creates rebellion. In the New Testament, you can read about the Apostle Paul who made this transition from being normal and focusing on religion, to going through the narrow gate. He made the transition. He had all this stuff over here, but he transitioned to where it was no longer based on rules and ritual and religion. It became based on a relationship with Christ, through his faith in Christ. And people thought he was weird. People tried to kill him. Listen to what he says as he gives a 30-second testimony about his past in moving from the wide road to the narrow one. Philippians chapter three, beginning at verse four. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, Faultless. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Basically, he's saying, I was a good guy, and now all of that stuff that I used to do when I was on the wide road, that's just garbage. And the real word that he used for garbage, if I used that equivalent word in English, you'd be offended. So he's like, forget it. It's garbage. It's junk. All the stuff I did that doesn't mean anything when you compare it to... My relationship that I now have with Christ. See, all of our attempts to do something good for God to please us, according to Paul, are junk. They're garbage. Doing good stuff, of course, is good. But Jesus knows that the place where we start determines the place where we end up. If we start with just trying to fix ourselves up on the outside, we'll get to pride or we'll get to despair. And Jesus is saying, start at the right place. Start on the inside. Religion says, if I work really hard and make myself look better, make myself feel better, then maybe I'll get closer to God. A relationship says, look, I cannot do this. I am no good at this, Jesus. I I mess up. I'm full of sin. I make mistakes. So I'm going to count on you to fix me up. On the inside. See, God says that a relationship is about what Jesus has done. Religion says it's about what you can do. And when you really step into that relationship with Christ, through that narrow gate, you cannot stay the same. And your only reasonable response when you see that he will fix you up on the inside first, the only reasonable response is to give him your whole life. See, religion is outside in. Relationship is inside out. Religion is earning it. Relationship is accepting it. Now, it's hard to accept a gift. By had a big birthday party, and you came to my birthday party, and you brought me a gift, and, the, and I started saying, let me pay you for that. Hey, come on, let me, how much was that shirt? 25 bucks, let me give you. Wouldn't that be offensive? I would feel strange, you would feel strange, and be like, what? It's a gift, accept it. And what religion is, is us saying, God, it's, it's, it, I really want to pay for this. I really want to have a, I, I want to do this. Let me do it, God. I'll feel better if I do it, instead of you taking care of it all. It's hard for us to accept that which is free. Last week I was going for a run in my neighborhood and it was, it was a tough week at our church uh, especially for a staff that uh, we had a death in our church uh, a, a a great guy went on to be with God and, and and you know that was traumatic on on the family and people that were close to him and then you know people were sick I've got illness in my extended family and I, I just went for a run and I was just you know God just you know talk to me let me I need to feel I need to be encouraged today and so I, I hit my 30 minutes, my three and a half miles, I stop and I walk the rest of the way home and, and there's these selling lemonade in the neighborhood. And the first thing, you know, they're like, they're wanting money. So they're like, hey, come buy some you want some lemonade, you want some lemonade? And, you know, I decide to be nice to them. And I said, I said, honey, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm up for run, I don't have any money on me. And she said, oh, that's okay, it's free. That's what I was like, oh my gosh, you know, thank you, God. I was, I was wanting you to minister to me, and you've done it through this little girl. It happened to be her birthday. She told me her life story in like three minutes. <laughs> and she was turning five years old that day, and she gave me uh, some lemonade and an Oreo cookie. Yeah. And if you know me, I don't like stuff that other people's touch. But I, so I walked away with that, and she, I accepted it. And I would like to say that I went home and it was great. But you know what? I went home and got money and I went back and gave her money. We have a hard time accepting something that's free. And yet God says, get off of that wide path that tries to earn your way into an acceptance by me. And get on the, go through the narrow gate and realize this really is free. It's free because I thought so much of you that I sent my son to earth so you wouldn't have to walk the normal road and try to earn your way into a relationship with me. He already did that for you. And it's free. And now you might think, well, if it's free, then why am I here? I could be out the lake or golfing today. You mean it's free? Like free, free? Yes, it is. But when you let that seep deep into your heart, all those actions that over here are trying to earn it, those same actions might happen over here as far as rituals and rules and all that, but where they come from, the motivation to obey them or follow them changes. And it's out of a grateful heart for what he's done rather than a hopeful heart that he'll accept you because of what you're doing. So the narrow gate is just saying yes when Jesus says, follow me. And out of what you receive from him that is free, people on the weird path just do things because of who he is. You'll just, when you sponsor a kid in Ecuador, when you give, when you serve, when you just get out of bed and come to church, you're not doing any of that to say, God, how about it from red marks, please? You're doing that out of a grateful heart because of what he's done for you. That's weird. I thought we were supposed to earn stuff, not with God. I thought I needed to work for it, not, for God, not with God. And then one day, you're going to look at your life as you're on this narrow path, with all this knowledge that we've got from Scripture through this series and And one day it's going to happen. Your friends are going to be talking about you at work or at the field or in the park or at school, and they're going to whisper behind your back, they're really weird. And you can say, yes, I am, and thank you. I've chosen to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for this invitation for us to be weird, for the words that, Christ has given us and taught us and encouraged us to live, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.